Welcome back to Animation Fascination. I'm Mark Weber, and with me again is Stanford Clark. Hey there, how you doing? And today, our guest is Michael Soren. Hello! You may have seen me elsewhere with Mark as well. Or heard. Uh, this podcast focuses on the world of animation. Each episode, we feature all the latest news from around the animation industry and a main topic discussing a TV series, film, or something else, whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion. If it's animated, it's up for discussion to geek out about. So this week, this is episode 93 of Animation Fascination, and we're going to be talking about Lucasfilm's uh, Tales of the Jedi uh, anthology short stories uh, series that just got added to Disney+. Plus. Uh, literally yesterday uh, mm-hmm. as we record this. So October 26th of 2022. Um, uh, Stanford and I have done this animation podcast off and on since what, 2011? Yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. Yeah, there was, there, was a seven, there was a seven year gap in there where we didn't do anything. But we've now been back since uh, at least Pixar's Turning Red came out this year. Um, and then Mike and I have been doing the Hold and Maneuver podcast, which is a Star Wars, uh, well, it's supposed to be short form most of the time, but <laughs> anytime there's a new Disney Plus series out, it usually ends up becoming. Sometimes I don't long, stop talking. So <laughs> long form. Yeah. The, the episodes, like about the uh, Lego uh, specials, those are shorter. And and recently, I've been getting like a, a lot of views randomly on YouTube, and I think it's just the Scarif connection, uh, the Scarif Beach Party. Uh, but Weird Ale, man. Yeah. So this this episode's kind of a, a cross crossing of the streams, where if there's a Venn diagram, I'm in the middle, uh, Mike's in one circle, Stanford's in the other circle. Stanford's been on both shows too. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, so now I guess this makes the the circle is now complete to, to borrow a phrase <laughs> from Star Wars, where, where now Stanford has been in Holdo, Mike has now been in Animation Fascination, or as Animation Fascination is affectionately called AF, not that AF though. <laughs> I know. Uh, so let's not get. Yeah, it's yeah. a different AF. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, f- former host uh, Matt Quest made made that. Well, you, this part's not video yet, um, but uh, <laughs> imagine what you're seeing. Yeah, the, the letters A and F. Um, but, <laughs> so this week, uh, before we get into like our main review and the news and everything, uh, we're going to do the interview with uh, Cinemark section again really quick, uh, where we talk about some new releases uh, that were sent my way to talk about. So the first one is a... Uh, it is an animated film from G Kids, uh, which is called Bell, and it's kind—it's more or less kind of like a anime retelling, kind of like the Beauty and the Beast storyline, as you can kind of gather from it being called uh, Bell. Bell. Uh, the The story is about a character named Suzu, who's a shy, everyday high school student living in a rural village. So, uh, for years, she has only been a shadow of herself, but when she enters you a massive virtual world she escapes into the online persona of bell a gorgeous and globally beloved singer uh, one day her concert is interrupted by a monstrous creature 
chased by vigilantes as their hunt escalates, Suzu embarks on an emotional and epic quest to uncover the identity of this mysterious quote-unquote beast to discover her true self in a world where you can be anyone. So you can kind of see like how it like updates and plays with like the whole Beauty and the Beast mythos and places it in a like anime uh, world context and whatnot. So it's it's interesting. It's and it's so it's it's got more different to it than like if say you liked the the live action uh, Beauty and the Beast that that Disney did that was a <laughs> a almost not as bad of it like you know doing a shot for shot remake like as the the lion king was but this is definitely um very imaginative and has like its own take on that classic a tale as old as time as it were um r.i.p angela lansbury uh this blue or actually not blue it's a 4k uh so any kind of hand-drawn animation i think or any animation in general, like CG animation, hand-drawn animation, especially, I think looks good in like in 4K or even H, just uh, standard like HD. Uh, looks fantastic in this because it's like the colors really pop more, and you can see like those hard edges to the the hand-drawn animation a lot better. Uh, there's a bonus features disc on here that has a bunch of like added content. Uh, like making of the the film as well as uh, a few different like kind of um, interviews and like documentaries and all that kind of standard stuff in there too. Yeah, the collector's edition that they did for it too also has a 60 page book, which has more of that stuff in it. Also has a poster um, and then it has a, a decal <laughs> wow. sticker and this then it has stuff. art cards too. So uh People listening can't see this, but uh, Stanford <laughs> and, and Mike can can see the box for us. It's like this thick, yeah, uh, chunky boy of a chunky uh, boy. They went all yeah. they went all out uh, for, for that. Yeah, and this was like a re-release too, because I think like a few months ago they had put out just like a standard regular Blu-ray of it. Blu-ray, and then they're like, you know what? We're gonna make sure the people that already bought that and spent money on that uh have to buy it again so we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna make the... some money on this yeah yeah I, I especially like that like especially when you're a fan of thing something and you're like all right i gotta buy this movie right when it comes out and then sometimes i almost feel like if if you are a fan of something and you are like the oil to, to being a fan of something that it sometimes has catch 22 and bites you in the butt mm. because they're like, oh, I bought the first edition of that. Or like six months later, they double dipped. And there's the special edition. <laughs> yeah. the director's so, cut. The, yes. yeah. Extended director's cut. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's actually like a good segue to uh, Batman The Long Halloween Deluxe Edition, which they so they they did this before when they did uh, Batman The Dark Knight Returns when they released those two in two parts. They did the same thing with this where they released it in two parts um, and then they can bind it in a like a single release for both of them. And then it's like an extended version of it. So I guess like the one thing there is that if like if you didn't have as much time to like say sit down and watch like the 168 minutes version of this where it's the full thing 
all back to back and just wanted to watch two like 85 minute parts of it then that might be the way to go um but the other nice thing about this though too is that this combined version of it came out in 4k and the part one and part two that they only released in blu-ray too so like again if you wanted a like a 4k version of the animation for it and you bought those when they first came out and you're like oh man i wish the 4k came out for this and then this came out you're like oh man i already bought two (laughs) blu-rays so so in this case you had to buy three things to get and the third thing was the last so I, I like uh, I like a lot of these DC animated films. This one was really well done as well, too. Uh, Sinford, have you got to watch this? No, I haven't watched it. All right. Mike, have you watched it? Which one? I, oh, the Batman one. Coming. I thought you switched one. No, I didn't even know it was a thing. I'm not going to lie. All right. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it's based on the, the comic book, but I would, I would definitely recommend this. I figured this would be a good episode to talk about it again too just because it's the long halloween and this episode will probably (laughs) be out what time of year is it exactly this episode will probably be out before halloween so um yeah this this is has uh more bonus features on it too uh has a like an evolution of evil bonus feature on there and then it has uh four bonus episodes of batman the animated series on there as well too um but again, if like you already have like that complete series Blu-ray, th- those are kind of redundant as like a bonus feature on there. Uh, but and then uh, Jensen Ackles uh, finally got to be Batman again too. So and I think he's I think he got cast as Batman again in another animated project that they're doing soon. Um, but that I do not remember off the top of my head. And then the the next two are also kind of Halloween-ish themed. These are live-action uh, releases from Warner Brothers too. But the next one is Poltergeist, uh, great movie, which was written by Steven Spielberg, not directed by Toby Hooper. Um, not that scary, but a great movie. Yeah, well, unless you don't, unless you don't like clowns, then then you know. clowns. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. You don't. Re- I don't remember a clown in the. There's a freaky, freaky, deaky clown in this. Not not as bad as Pennywise. In no, I th- it. it might be great. Quick too. I just yeah, don't remember. But, I haven't seen it in a long time, but it is a great movie. And the fact that the they uh, use real skeletons in the pool scene. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. You got Bob Parr in here trying to protect his family. I, I had I had to try to connect it back to animation somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um. He, he's a real coach of the family, as it were. There you go. Uh, they, they might call his assistant coach Patrick, as it were. No, no. That's a SpongeBob reference because the guy that. Oh, that's right. He wasn't a coach, though. He was a player. All right. Well, I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I my How parents loved seasons? Coach. So. How many seasons was Coach? Co- coach up. side tangent. Yeah, coach side tangent. Yeah, I... It went it, from it, eighty nine to ninety seven. Oh, okay, so pretty good. Run. Oh wow, two hundred episodes. Eighty nine. Eighty nine to ninety seven. I just remember Jerry Van Dyke on that show. Nine Jerry total seasons. Yep, he's gone. 
RIP Jerry Van Dyke. Man, there's why why are so many people from our childhood dead? Because they're old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mark, is there what cool stuff, or is there are, is there any cool stuff on the Poltergeist disc, or is it uh, is there there's a, a, just a movie? There's a sweet sticker on the cover of it that says this film contains sequences of flashing lights that may affect viewers who are susceptible to photosensitive epilepsy or other photosensitivities. I feel okay. like that's a waiver on everything nowadays. I know they put that on everything. They just like putting flashing lights in in movies. They, <laughs> Shiny object. They should. They should put that on the the weekend song, Mom. <laughs> um, I th- I think with this going back to something we talked about on Holdo was uh, forgetting the name of it now. Light and magic. There was a scene where the house implodes. Oh yeah. And how they did that was kind of. Using a, like a reverse umbrella technique, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like shooting it with two shotguns to yeah to make it implode. Yeah, so if you want to hear more about that, you can check out the whole maneuver <laughs> shameless episode. Plug. I don't remember what episode it was, but there we did two episodes. Watch them all until you find it. Yeah, we we did two episodes about the light and magic uh, docu series. So I think it was the the second part of that that we did. Um, on here, their bonus features are they are here the real world of poltergeist documentary in two parts uh so science of the spirits and communing with the dead uh making a poltergeist so i'm sure there's probably some of that same footage from light and magic in here too and probably some of the same people from ilm Mm. uh so like dennis murin and and the like and then the theatrical trailer i've noticed like that's one thing too is that uh when i first started like collecting movies like way back they t- they had a lot more bonus features on them. I know, like ten plus years ago. Yeah, and that was bonus now there's like less and less. Deal, and it seems like that's why I was asking because it just seems like I, I feel like we're lucky to even get any. You know, they put that on YouTube yeah. now for more. Yeah, or like they include the trailer or something. We're like, oh well, great, you know. What I, mean? yeah. <laughs> I guess we're happy that at least there's something. But but uh, yeah, like I I really missed audio commentaries. Like I yeah oh, audio um, commentaries. I loved. Those. the the guy um he was on attack the show he did like a segment called dvd do or dvd tuesday or dvd tuesday it was like dvd tuesday but like it was that was the word um for uh chris gore like he had come to he's come to phoenix a few times and he he did a panel here once and i had one of the questions i suggested to him was i thought it would be interesting like in the way of like how they, with digital copies of like how video games have dlc of like extra content you can pay to like download after mm. the fact if you bought the game like if they have something like that for movies on and digital copies because they can since they can always add that stuff later on like even like with like the like the newer mad max movie like if you owned the digital copy of that they added that um was it like the black and chrome version of the movie on the digital copy so you didn't have to rebuy that now sony didn't do that with the more fun stuff uh version of no way home they straight up are making you have to buy it again right buy, at full price yeah buy yeah buy the movie again for another 15 bucks yeah so i was really hoping that they were just going to add that to the digital copy <laughs> of the movie that i already paid for and went to the theater and paid to see it again um but I think that would be like a cool idea if they just did that, like, like allowed you to like, if you wanted to purchase like an audio commentary or 
like a making of documentary that they recently made that you could add that to it. I think, I don't know, I just think it'd be, I like, at, at least with like uh, certain filmmakers, they are doing like those commentaries, like on their own, like podcast feeds, mm-hmm. like Kevin yeah, Smith the will, venue. yeah, like Kevin Smith will do like um, commentaries to film, like not necessarily always like his own film, mm-hmm. uh, but on like his feeds as well. And then I think even like Tarantino has done some commentaries in the um, the podcast that he's been doing now too. So I, I'm all for getting more audio commentaries. And I do like that Disney plus on there does have an extras like section on yeah. some of the films so that you can watch some stuff on there. So it's not completely dead, uh, but all that to be said, no, it's just in another spot where they can make more money. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just do that stuff. Um, <laughs> and some of that stuff is just added shows on Disney plus now too, like the assembled series that would essentially be like its own bonus feature bonus feature yeah exactly if they were releasing those shows on blu-ray or 4k that would be on the set as like this is how this season of hawkeye was made or miss marvel (laughs) or whatever um or or, that's what kind of bums me out with some of like the the blu-rays for like thor 11 thunder that have come out like i Mm. wish that assembled episode that they did for thor 11 thunder was on that 4k set for that because at least if you're not going to release the shows on 4K, at least put those making ups for the movies on those sets for the movies that are coming out. Um, but all that being said, this Lost Boys uh, 4K set that came out the same day as Poltergeist, this actually does have a like a bunch of bonus features on it. So that's kind of nice. A lot of them are like legacy ones that were already like on the Blu-ray that they put out like a few years back. Um, but speaking about Batman earlier, uh, this commentary for this movie has director Joel Schumacher. Uh, Joel R- Schumacher. Although RIP R- to Joel Schumacher, too. <laughs> Is he the nipple suit Batman? Yeah. He, <laughs> he, he, he directed the, the Chris O'Donnell's Robin Batman movies to, to encompass it into one thing. Uh, but yeah, there's uh, additional scenes. There's a retrospective documentary. Um, there's a return of Sam and the Frog Brothers, you know, the, the two Corys and Jameson Newlander. Uh, there's a video commentary. There's a vamping out the undead creations of Greg Canham. Uh, inside the Vampire's Cave, there's like four featurettes there. Um, Hamster and Feldog, the story of the two Corys. Uh, lost... Lost in the Shadows music video by Lou Graham, World of the Vampires Interactive Map, and then the trailer. So there's a lot of uh, Corey Feldman, Corey Haim bonus features on this. If you're a big fan of the Corys. In the say. Um, the Corys. Yeah. Again, R.I.P. Corey Haim. Corey, yeah, Corey Haim. Um, and surprisingly not R.I.P. Corey, Fel- Corey Feldman with what that dude's been through in the mm-hmm. past however many years. Uh, but he's still going strong. But yeah, uh, and then I don't know if either of you watch what we do in the shadows, but no. there's that show. I, I've seen the has, film. I haven't watched the series. All right. So the series is actually, the, the movie is still canon to the series because the series takes place in the same world as that. Okay. But the fun thing they've done on the TV series is that on there anyone that's played a vampire in a movie 
Um, so like uh, Wesley Snipes or Paul Rubens or uh, in this case, Kiefer Sutherland. Paul Rubens uh, played a vampire. Yeah, yeah he was a, he was a vampire, vampire slayer movie. Yeah. Um, they make a joke in season one. I think of it. It was of what we do in the shadows where like there's like this uh, council of vampires. And they're like, oh, Kiefer couldn't make it. <laughs> so Kiefer. it's basically any, anyone <laughs> who, who's ever been a vampire in a movie is technically actually a vampire in real life. Because they make some other joke that like uh, Tom and Brad also couldn't make it as well. <laughs> because... <laughs> so uh, yeah. I would I would highly recommend what we do in the shadows. I think both of you would like that show a lot too. It's 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 very I like well the done. Movie. It's very fun. I thought the movie yeah. was was a kick. And Taika Taika shows up in the show a few times too as the same character from the movie too. Oh, so. Okay. As as does uh, Jermaine Clement. So nice. But yeah, that so that that'll round out the Cinemark uh, reviews section of the podcast and will bring us into our news section, which I know at least Stanford and I have some thoughts on <laughs> uh, th- this first bit of new- news uh, as, a, as opposed to, uh, I guess, what uh, Bob Chapik also has thoughts on about <laughs> that adults don't want to watch animated movies. Uh, Who so hurt let- you, Bob? Who hurt you? Yeah. No, it's uh, let, total hogwash. Yeah. Yes, I'll there's certain guess. animated movies that like nobody wants to watch, not even kids. Yeah. Because they're just the story and like the reason behind them is just hot garbage. But he owned yeah. the like, how is he the CEO of Disney making probably the most animated movies of any other company saying adults don't want to watch this? Has he gone to Disney World? And seeing how many adults are there without kids, like, yeah. and I, I'd even like retweeted like this new story, and I just put it with a quote that Walt Disney had said was, "I do not make films primarily for children; I make them for the child and all of us, whether we be six or sixty. Yeah. It's... So, how did he get this job with that mindset? So I don't know. Uh, this Bob Chapik's also actually the dude that instituted the Disney vault, by the way, too. <laughs> so if if that kind of gives you like an idea of like his whole mindset for, uh, I understand the Disney vault because it's a money making thing. But yeah. at the same time, like, yeah. what it's you- out of touch. Like, how do you get that out of touch? And that's not just him. So many people have this mindset of, yeah, animations for kids. Like, no. This is a, yeah, a topic that Stanford and I talk about often <laughs> on here. Uh, what what do you think about uh, what he had to say? Well, let's just make one thing clear. I am no fan of Bob Chapek. So, okay, <laughs> so I'm not trying to uh, defend were the him. people at, at D23 that booted. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, I it's just like he really needs to get another spokesperson. You know, rather than speak himself, yeah. he's just not yeah. articulate, and he's so not fan friendly. Uh, but I just so I just I'm not trying to defend him, but and and the statement isn't great. But I I just I'm throwing this out there. I just want to get your your guys' opinion about this, and you know, and and and, and the listeners, if if anybody wants to chime in, although of course I saw plenty of stuff you know on social media about this, but. You know, he's so the, the exact quote is 
Our fans and audiences put their kids to bed at night after watching Pinocchio, Dumbo, A Little Mermaid. Then they're probably not going to tune into another animated movie. They want something for them. And I sure I know, I mean, outrage and you know, offense and whatnot. But I I guess in in a, a couple of things I thought were interesting about it. One is that I guess it made me happy that I that Disney is still committed to making films, you know, for kids. May, yeah. And maybe it's not just animated films, but I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, uh, kids, family-friendly stuff, that's okay. But then what? What I how I interpreted it, again, and maybe I'm up in the night so you guys can tell me, is that sure. he's saying that Disney Plus has got a really wide variety of programming. And so you're not just, you're not just watching only, you know, the great Disney Disney content, but there's there's plenty of other stuff that would work for you that you might want to watch that you don't necessarily want your kids to watch with you, or that you just want to watch yourself, yeah. you know. And so, I don't know. What do you guys think? Am I up in the night and trying to trying to give Bob Chapek cut him a little slack? Well, <laughs> or what I did kind of think. What, what do you think? What I thought was funny here, though, too, is the specifically the three movies that he said. I was like, Are well, animated. I was like, those might not have been the animated versions. You get, you made li- you made live action remakes yeah. of all all three of those. Well, Little Mermaid's not out yet, but those three specifically that he brought up yeah. all could have been the live action ones. But the oh, my counterpoint would be if I put my kid to bed after watching one of those three, I might turn on The Simpsons. It's animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, exactly. Or, or Bob's Burgers, which. That'll be this will be a little bit better of a segue in a in a moment, I guess. Um, but <laughs> um yeah, like there's plenty there's plenty of animated stuff. Like the thing that we're gonna talk about later in this episode, Tales of the Jedi. That's this isn't like that's not even squarely aimed at kids. Most no. of the people that I know, I mean, granted, I'm not friends with a bunch of little kids, but <laughs> <laughs> most of the people I know that are are watching or talking about Tales of the Jedi are all people like within our like our demographic yeah that are adults like adult fans star wars fans yeah Yeah. and one of the the the, um reactions i saw was um from a former like disney director and he uh he did um a film that stanford and i talked about earlier this year called the the sea beast uh was um chris williams chris williams yeah he had retweeted something about it where he said for 30 years 25 at Disney. I've been working alongside passionate artists who have helped redefine what animation can be. So this is pretty dis- uh, a pretty disheartening take. So, and like, even if it was like taken out of context, there's like actual video like of him like like making the statement too. So it's slightly not as much taken out of context as it it could have been if it was just like written word, but. There, there's already so many people and like the way that animation is like presented at like the Oscars or Golden Globes where like it's like made fun of or like considered less than and like anytime that happens like you can see a bunch of like animation directors or animators <laughs> and and whatnot talk about that on I mean Twitter can is a lot of things but like some, it's good to have that kind of summing of a sounding board to 
mm-hmm. be able to hear like these voices from like the animation industry talk about it. Um, I don't want to speak for like some of our friends that we've had on the show that are animators, but the, the conversations that I've had with them like about all this stuff too is like like they have that same kind of like disheartened feel where it's like it would be nice to have like the head of your company for like any of these companies be like in your corner right for stuff that you're spending all this time working on and cultivating and, and trying to be kind of that what's that term like the four quadrant kind of film like like strange world that'll be coming out like for thanksgiving and like that movie's not aimed just at like mike's daughter or like my like seven almost 17 year old son it it's aimed at both of them and Mm -hmm. at stanford and at mike and at me and my wife and maybe even sylvie my puppy i don't know (laughs) um there's there's a dog in the movie um exactly i mean if it's a if it's a good story it doesn't matter if it's animated or live action because animation yeah that's what it comes down to it's not a genre it's a medium of storytelling so it can it can tell a story about anything that it wants to in any genre it's just another way of telling a story i mean what is cgi if it's not animation yeah the quote-unquote live action john favreau lion king is not live that's it's just another animated version of the lion king (laughs) it's just photorealistic animation but it's still animated um so i don't know i it's a thing that bums me out constantly because i feel like that animation should have more respect than it does and that's even why i changed like like our twitter header for animation fascination uh, on there too that that shot from uh mitchell's versus machines that uh, Sony Pictures Animation in Maine, where it just said, "Animation is cinema." Mm-hmm. So, I mean, going going uh, back to talking about light and magic again, not to go back that route. Even George Lucas kind of looks down on animation at yeah, like some with, point in time. Yeah, basically, yeah, with like selling off Pixar to Steve Jobs. But I mean, he kind of came back around to it when they they did Lucasfilm Animation and developed Clone Wars originally. So. Yeah, it's just like his initial thought was he wants to go make cartoons. Like, get out of here. Like, you're not real. So I was just. But then when you see, like, I just wish people would see what animation can do, like, and not just think it's for kids. Yeah. Uh, And, like, I guess going from that segueing into the the news about, like, Warner Brothers, um, like, we've talked playing about like all of what's going on at Warner Brothers. Uh, ass- essentially, like Cartoon Network, like as we had known it and uh, kind of grown up with it, like the past what? Like adult 20... animation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, because they, they have adults. Exactly. Um, adult Swim. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Adult Swim. But, um, essentially, like Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios have been essentially have strategically realigned uh, where they will retain separate labels, but basically development and production teams will be consolidated into like one thing. So that essentially means a bunch of uh, layoffs. Um, Warner Brothers cutting like their workforce by 26%. Uh, then, then like their unscripted and animation divisions are merging functions like that. So that 
Uh, that basically means like a lot of um, like the stuff we would have seen like through Car Cartoon Network uh, just throughout like the past like years or like the I don't know, like the like the Adventure Time uh, stuff that they're they're making like Adventure Time Fiona and Cake uh, like the, the original Adventure Time show and in like distant lands and stuff like that uh, how that was originally made like a Cartoon Network Studios is now just going to be like basically worked on by the same group that would be like say working on Harley Quinn um, so it's just like less people working on more stuff in a way <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. This is like all this stuff with Warner Brothers is still ongoing too. So it's it's interesting to see all the stuff that they're doing and kind of readjusting and moving around with a bunch of these different things there. And I wonder how often uh, Bob Chapek and Dave Zaslav uh, go and eat lunch together. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. But, well, you know, one, know what are, one quote. Yeah, what are this, your thoughts of the Warner Brothers stuff? One quote, Mark, from this deadline article, you know, that we're getting the story, some of the specifics from the story from. I'll just read it. The company said that multiple projects remained in active production and development. Uh, uh, and despite the restructuring, production output is relatively unchanged. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with, with this stuff. I, I think we kind of are anticipating and this isn't maybe the right word to say but kind of a dumbing down of the cartoon network shows uh because of this because it seemed like you know cartoon network really had uh you know i think a brand and an identity and a real creative uh edge to it and i fear that that's now gone even though there maybe they'll still brand stuff as cartoon network for that yeah, that that, that 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 that's gonna be gone. However, you know, when you're reading that production output is relatively unchanged, you hope that maybe it's good good stuff's gonna continue. So I don't know. I don't know. One the Warner Brothers stuff all just seems super depressing, <laughs> and uh, uh, we'll just I guess see what how, how it pans out. I want Batgirl, dang it. <laughs> we wouldn't, uh, Seth MacFarlane wouldn't be as prominent as he has been without Cartoon Network. They oh, saved yeah. him back in 04, 05. Because oh, Family yeah, Guy him. was canceled bring and then him. reruns on Cartoon Network, Adult Swim brought it back. And he worked on uh, Johnny Bravo. So that was oh, yeah. Cartoon Network. Yeah, I, I could see that. <laughs> But. And her side tangent of that wasn't The Rock gonna make a live action Johnny Bravo movie at one point? I think it was uh, just a meme because of oh, The Rock being okay. so massive. I I could see that working as like a like a Baywatch, uh, like, like tongue <laughs> yeah. in cheek kind of. Yeah. He already made though. Baywatch, and that would suffer. Like, they had to suffer through that. So, <laughs> although I, you probably can't make uh, Johnny Bravo. Uh, I think it would end up probably being pretty problematic. Um, you can't make a lot of things anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Good or bad. Good and bad, but I should say. Speaking, well, I, that's not really a good segue. But you know how I <laughs> talked about, how about we talked about the Simpsons and Bob's Burgers earlier? Uh, there we go. Segue to to Mike introducing this segment about Simpsons I saw and Bob's this Burgers. A couple days ago myself and Mark's bringing it up here. 
Um, got another crossover with The Simpsons. They did Family Guy. They've done Futurama. Here comes Bob's Burgers. They're <laughs> doing a Halloween episode crossover with Bob's Burgers and The Simpsons. And I, for one, am excited. Because Bob's Burgers, I thought it was going to be such a terrible show. But I'm just, adults don't watch comedy, like animation. I saw that movie in theaters three times and oh, laughed my ass off every it's, time. <laughs> it was a really good movie. I, I liked it. And a cried lot too. too. Cried at Bob's Burgers, the movie. We did an episode of Animation Fascination about it too. Although yeah. neither, of you, neither of you were on that, but my friend Chris was on it. And I would, I would recommend both of you listen to that episode. <laughs> this is, but so I, I really enjoyed Go ahead. And with, so I was just gonna say side tangent to that movie is that I actually haven't seen most of the of the TV series and I still really enjoy that movie. So if that says anything about the movie itself in general, too, is that the movie stands alone and is enjoyable to someone that's basically only seen that movie too. So I would mm-hmm. say check out Bob's Burgers movie. And Simpsons and Bob's Burgers as one of my favorite styles of animation. Like I like that old acetate like multi-level thing it's all cg now but that's yeah. just my favorite style of animation Simple. now does it ever bother you when the simpsons interact with uh characters that are peach skinned and they're jaundice skinned nah because the, the story behind the jaundice skin is uh it's a joke that matt Groening did um he colored them that way because when the Simpsons came out, people had tube TVs. You had to adjust knobs on to adjust the color. Oh, yeah. And he thought it was funny that people would spend time trying to make them the right color skin, <laughs> but they can never do it. So that's why the that's the story, supposedly, behind why they're the color they are. But it doesn't bother me one bit. Mike is my uh, Simpsons expert friend, by the way. <laughs> that's, yeah, good to know. We could ask Mike about, yeah. Up until well, a certain point, I haven't watched as much as I'd like to. In recent years, but at one point Patrick was making his way through Disney through the seasons on Disney Plus, and I think he got up to like, I think he ended at like the good the last good season. Well, depending on who you ask, that might be really early on. I've I was doing that, and I'm up. To, I stopped on season twenty three, and started oh, watching wow. a bunch of other stuff. But Simpsons is always going to be there. So yeah, yeah. Oh, and this, uh, the episode that we're talking about actually already aired. It was on uh, October 23rd. Yeah. Uh, I haven't so, watched it yet, but yeah, not having I'll, cable really hinders that. <laughs> yeah, I think Neck. Oh, yeah, because I, I retweeted the like the Death Note uh, kind of opening that they did to it. I I think what's kind of cool, at least about like their Treehouse of Horror specials, at least, is it's a cool way for them to kind of... Um, a lot of satire like, in them. Yeah, well, and, and like spotlight different forms of animation in them too, because mm. like so, depending on like what they're skewing off or um, kind of talking about in it, it can just be like this different stuff. So I, I enjoy that about these two. Uh, yeah, I will definitely check that out too. And then the there's so more Warner Brothers news too is. I guess I should have put this with the other Warner Brothers thing, but this is actually kind of good news <laughs> with Warner Brothers is that the they basically have found their quote unquote kind of like Kevin Feige is. Um, so James, and Gunn, it's about damn time. I think <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Warner Brothers, well, 
Anyway, please, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Mark. We'll, oh, we'll, no, that's we'll fine. Chill, we'll chill. All, all, all I was going to say is that basically they got someone from Marvel um, to be one of their Kevin Feige's with James Gunn. I mean, granted, he did the Suicide Squad recently, the Peacemaker. Uh, he appeared as himself on the Harley Quinn uh, animated series. Uh, and then he and uh, Peter Saffron have basically been tapped to be co-chairmen uh, and co-CEOs of DC Studios, uh, which is basically a like a new production entity that will oversee DC properties for uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, so, and then they said, we're honored to be the stewards of these DC characters we've loved since we were children, uh, said Gunn and Saffron. So it, what seems like too, is at least from what I gathered from these things was that uh, it says that Gunn and Seffron will oversee like film, TV, and animation, but it from what I saw, it felt like more that um, James Gunn was going to be more of like overseeing like the like the live action content, and Peter Seffron was going to be overseeing the animation content there, uh, which I can see them do. Like, I mean, it seems like there'd be some crossover with both. What's kind of funny is that for like a period of time between like now and like the end of like next May, technically James Gunn will be working at DC doing this mm-hmm. while he's heavily promoting two different Guardians of the Galaxy projects yeah. that he did. The holiday special <laughs> <laughs> volume three. Yeah. Marvel's not worried. They're making way more money than DC. Although this also helps with maybe them eventually um, doing maybe like some amalgam comics type of film crossovers um with james gonna have such a good uh, relationship with kevin feige so maybe maybe we see like a dark claw uh animated thing or i don't like know how much you guys have seen like the malcolm comics but it's like basically like they mixed like uh marvel characters and dc characters together in that so like dark claws batman mixed with wolverine i don't see it happening but it'd be cool good sure. yeah yeah, I know. I know. Uh, the Rock wants it to happen. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys see Black Adam? And what did you think? Meh. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, it was a solid three star yeah. movie. Like, not bad, not great. It wasn't like anything groundbreaking. It was all like felt you've seen it before. It's yeah. just with the Rock in it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't care for it very much uh and in fact i was more i was the more interesting part i guess maybe because the crowd i was in just went crazy when when henry, henry cavill came out you know <laughs> the, uh, oh, yeah. the end credits um but uh spoiler alert sorry <laughs> i guess i think everybody knows <laughs> oh the, <laughs> but, the rock the rock spoiled that like weeks ago on all the right. interviews that he talked about it. Right. so uh but and i I I need I need your good counsel. I think is is more more to the point because <laughs> I just I really have felt like DC has needed a Kevin Feige type of person yes. because yes. I just don't feel like the at least at least for the for the for the motion pictures that you know the, the theatrical releases that the films have just not been great. They just they, and even even I think like the worst Marvel film is far better. Than most of the DC theatrical content. This is sorry. I guess. I mean, I don't know. Keep people can come at me, and I don't want. Which is offensive. <laughs> it's just, 
That's just, you know, what I With think. the most recent Robert Pattinson Batman, would yeah. you consider that in the DC universe that you're talking about? You know, I thought that film was well made, but I didn't really like it. I thought it was one of the be- better Batmans. Oh, like good. Was- okay. See, I'm glad, and that's and that's why I think I need to rely on you guys because you and you guys know more than I do about about it. So, because I, I went in with the mindset like, oh, here we go, another crappy Batman movie. <laughs> Maybe that helped me like it more. Yeah, um, it was it was definitely well made. I I thought. Yeah. I still think you can't say that about Black Adam. (laughs) No, Black Adam. Yeah. Although, if you ask uh, a Terry McGinnis Batman Beyond himself, Will Friedle, what he thought about the the Batman, he he did he did not not enjoy it. I I like the darker versions of Batman because he's a very dark character. Because he's such a dark character. Yeah. I I just I I think. It just seems to me that James Gunn, in particular, I guess because I know I'm more familiar with his work and his history than I am with Peter uh, Saffron, yeah. but James Gunn really seems to know and understand comics. Mm. And, yeah, he's actually and, like a fan of them. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that's what's been needed rather than just some studio executive, you know? Right. And uh, Saffron, yeah. while well, he did Aquaman and the Suicide Squad, there's a lot of garbage on his resume. <laughs> like a lot of horror movies, a lot of. Uh... Well, I th- yeah, I think with he's like worked with James Gunn quite a like a a few times as well too, um. But I think like s- some of the stuff there too is like just that he's more or less kind of like it's like the one for them, one for one for. Like one for us, one for them, kind of thing. Where right, like like Peter Saffron's like the like inside guy for Warner Brothers because like most of the stuff that he's worked on in the past has been right, like Warner Brothers related, and then James Gunn is like like the comics guy. They know that like he knows this stuff between like um, Guardians and uh, the Suicide Squad and Peace, Peacemaker and all of that, and then like it's not it wasn't an adaptation or anything but like bright burn like with him being a producer on that as well too mm. um so i i'm excited to see what he does with this and they also like they had also said recently that that green lantern show they were working on is getting restructured from being like an anthology series to being just about the character john stewart not to mm. be confused with the daily show with john stewart <laughs> the um, actual john stewart yeah or, is the green lantern going to be their fantastic four where they just can't ever get it right all right. Well, uh, Mike and I just talked to, talked to our buddy Ralph on Holdo, and I know that that Ralph definitely w- would appreciate if they get Green Lantern right because Green, as Spider Man is to me, uh, Green Lantern is to Ralph, and he would love to see Green Lantern actually get the adaptation that it like deserves to get to, um, and I I think they can get there with that too because going off animation as well is that the green lantern animated series from years back that Mm. um bruce tim worked on that was really well done too so like the stories are there and they they can make it it's just they have to i guess get it across in a movie the only positive the green lantern movie had for me was i made about a thousand dollars selling 
the giant vinyl posters that our theater had hanging up. Oh, I took them down, threw them on eBay. There was like five or six of them, and I made about a thousand dollars total on all. Nice, oh, wow. go, Mike. <laughs> That's crazy. Straight profit because we were throwing them away. I was like, someone's gonna want these, and sure enough. <laughs> Other than that, no good came of Green Lantern the movie. They already had a crossover. Marvel let Deadpool kill the Green Lantern, didn't he? Didn't they? Kind of, sort of. (laughs) Well, yeah, well, like in Deadpool, where like... like The end credits thing? Kills Ryan Reynolds as he's reading the Green Lantern script. Uh, I guess that's as close as as they've come. And like, well, well, more recently, like in the Marvel movies, like referencing... DC characters like Eternals like talking about Batman and Superman mm. in those that, movies. Yeah. Eternals is a weird movie to me. Like, well, because they, I think they like call like um Richard Madden Superman at one, or like mm. one of the kids like thinks he's like Superman or something like that. But not a good segue at all. But <laughs> Seth, uh, Seth Rogen's talking about uh, bad animation. Although I think this was specifically made to look the way that it's supposed to look, uh, is that uh, the I just sausage meant, like part... in a terrible movie that's animated. Uh, and speaking of adult animation too, like we were talking <laughs> exactly. about, exactly. Right? Uh, <laughs> the Sausage Party uh, movie is getting a spinoff Foodtopia TV series on Amazon Prime Video, and a lot of the people that were in the f- film and did voices for it are coming back for this with Seth Rogen, uh, Kristen Wiig. Uh, Michael Sarah, David Krumholtz, Edward Norton, uh, Will Forte, Sam Richardson um, are coming. Everybody are who needs up. money, they're all coming back. <laughs> but like <laughs> Seth Rogen's got like a good relationship with Amazon Prime in general, just be- between like him, he's a big producer on The Boys for Amazon Prime. He's a producer on Invincible uh, on Prime as well. Um, so this will be the first non-superhero. <laughs> show that he's he's producing um and also starring in on amazon prime um so this should be interesting how they do this too is that it says the series is being developed by seth rogan and evan goldberg and it will reboot the steamy food orgy (laughs) there's no other way to describe it to fit the episodic logic uh so once again, the story will center around different groups of food who coexist inside a supermarket. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure. So it says film needs to be the superior art form to television. And we humbly reach the pinnacle of what we can be achieved with film in our remarkable opus sausage party. <laughs> but now that film is completely dead and TV is forever king of entertainment, we decided to continue the epic adventures of our culinary crew in the soon to be legendary televised masterpiece sausage party Futopia. It's got all the heart, double the puns, and triple the food on food sex. In other words, it's exactly what the world needs right now. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be uh, eight That's episodes in a row air in 2024. Uh, I remember going to see the the first movie in theaters. Um, but it was interesting. <laughs> I don't know. It was... Wasn't worth the time in my book. Sure, I may have chuckled here and there, but overall, it's just 
poor, poorly written, constructed jokes. Like, could have been a lot better. But what do I know? Well, you know, <laughs> you see how they, you know, it just seems like it's just how many episodes is it going to be, Mark? Is it eight? Eight. Episodes? eight. So, you know, they're just going to just keep it going. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know uh, how, like, involved well, Amazon that... is with productions or if they're very hands-off. So. Or if and just Amazon is maybe just looking for something kind of, you know, more adult, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they already got, I mean, they're, like, I listed off, like, they already have the boys. Yeah, it was exactly, exactly. And even, like, Invincible is, like, pretty out there i mean it's not well that one's more violent yeah the boys is probably like a contract writer for rogan like i'll sign on to do these two things but i get this yeah uh but yeah so that'll be out like in the next couple of years i'm assuming stanford that you haven't even seen the movie because that's not your jam it's really not my (laughs) jam i'm trying to remember if i saw it i might have seen it or i just that's how good it was. Be sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say it was so it was so good. I just so memorable. It was just like, all right, I watched it on an airplane or something, you know. I mean, I can't remember. I just can't remember. Uh yeah. if you need to go to bed, it's a good movie to turn on because it'll make you turn the TV <laughs> off. Put it that way. You'll just you be like, why? Some, you probably have some weird, very weird, weird, weird dreams if <laughs> those are the last visual that's images. That's the last you're thing in, you're you know in your mind or to reframe that, if you really wanted to watch something else, but like I don't have the time, turn this on because you're like, damn it, I'm watching that now because you yeah. just want to get away from it. Yeah. Uh, but that'll do it for our news this week. <laughs> uh, and going from our news into uh, the one trailer that we have this week that we're going to talk about, which is called The Four Souls of Coyote. That uh, was an Annecy winner by, I hope that I don't mess up their first name because it's got like an inflection over the A and I. Not sure how to pronounce that. So, Aaron Garter, um, they debuted a teaser trailer for this, and the animation style for this it uh, felt very uh, reminiscent of um, like the best I could recommend or kind of describe it. It's like if you melded uh, the Gandhi Tartakovsky Primal series. Oh yeah. And mixed that with the uh, cartoon saloon uh, Irish uh, animation studio. That's really good, yeah. It, I feel like that's it would be those two mixed together, and it, it's kind of like that same kind of uh, film as like the the films that Cartoon Saloon has put out, put out where it's like a very uh, personal kind of two. Uh, I'm trying to like the like the best way to describe it. Like it's like the it's very. I, I don't know. I can't think of like the proper way to like phrase like what I'm trying to say for it. But it's like very personal to to like the story that it's trying to tell with within the movie and of the culture that it's trying to represent within that film. I guess is the best way for me to describe what they're what it's doing here. But this looks very like beautifully animated. Yeah, it um, really looks beautiful. The style of it's like really striking too. Um, 
and it, it's basically it's like a magical Native American tale um, about like the um, it's a, a, an epic adventure of tale the Native American creation myth uh, through unique retelling of the creation of the universe the film highlights the increasingly pressing need to live in harmony with the environment before it is too late and we destroy the earth so i mean it's very like topical to um and like contemporary kind of ideas and whatnot like with that uh just from like a different viewpoint than like you would normally get from like a more like mainstream kind of studio kind of animated film What do you what do you think, Stanford? I I look at you know I want to see it. I think you know just it, it looks beautiful. It looks interesting. I love how you described it. It does really look like uh, you know, kind of an offshoot of of Cartoon Saloon, uh, yeah. Um, and you know, interest interesting story. And and just like we were talking about with, with the Bob Chapek stuff, you know. Animation is a wonderful medium for telling all sorts of interesting stories, and this is one of them. And you know that I think where, whereas it would, if this was all CGI or something, you know, how would it, how how would it be? I, I I just I love I love the two D look of it, and and uh, and uh, you know I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. I hope I can see it. Yeah. Oh, you might. I'd watch it. It's um more like the animation style kind of reminded me of Samurai Jack. Yeah. yeah. Mixed like with the Simpsons kind of that style. Like it's kind of a hybrid. Yeah. Um I feel Which might be a little too the Gendy Tartakovsky of it all too. Mm. It might be a little too trippy for my liking. Just take that's... just uh get some peyote and <laughs> some peyote. Peyote well, I mean, for that's, coyote. That's that well, that's in theme, you know. Keeping it, yeah, thematically, yeah. I go. feel with animation that is something that often gets used, like the trippy scenes, just because they yeah. can. And it's like sometimes, like it didn't, really didn't need it, like story wise. But I, I get, I get what you're laying down. No, I'd watch made it. Me think this made me think of the Simpsons movie. Yeah, that and uh, that's the. The whole that was one thing I had my gripe that. of. Yeah, my gripe from that movie. Like, why did you have to do that? Like, overall, the Simpsons movie, like, eh, compared to others. But no, it definitely looks interesting. Uh, the animation style, like I said, that of Samurai Jack crossed over with that. So, yeah. yeah the I, shot? Think it, I think it looks cool. I'm not sure, like, when exactly it'll be available for. Yeah, you know, you just wonder. Clearly, it's going to get some very limited distribution. I would like to see it on the big screen, but my guess is I probably won't get to see it until it gets put on some sort of streaming platform. Yeah, because like the closest thing that says to any kind of release is that it says it'll be released in Hungarian cinemas in March 2023. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I can see maybe um, Shout Factory. Yeah. Uh, or like G Kids. G Kids. Doing some kind of release. In the U.S., like like a straight to DVD or Blu-ray, or putting kinda. it out on a Fathom event or something. Yeah, I was, you know, was going to say the Fathom like, events might do it. Yeah, depending on yeah. the popularity. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'll be interested to check it out. Uh, so, 
moving out of our trailers and then to our final segment before we get to our main topic this week is the recommendations <laughs> recommendation section. Uh, so here I was just going to recommend this short uh, video that uh, Leica Animation Studios actually put out recently. They've been having different uh, artists uh, put together these live action uh, uh, recreations of scenes from the film Paranorman to celebrate its 10th anniversary. And our, our buddies over at JP and Beyond, aka uh, Jonathan, Polly, and Jesse Perota, who had been on the podcast years and years and years and years ago when they did the live action Toy Story uh, retelling that they made, uh, they recently did a scene from uh, Paranorman where uh, Jesse plays the, the dude that's trying to get chips out of uh, the vending machine in the film as the zombies are descending upon him and they like a posted the like a making a video of this of them making this and what i thought was funny is that uh jonathan had to buy the like this vending machine that's in this uh short that they did and this short's like maybe like the actual footage that the shot that's shown in it is like maybe 30 45 seconds so i can only imagine like how much i, I hope he's getting use out of it after but mm. Um, I thought what was cool is that and kind of clever is that Jesse worked in these Easter eggs to the other Leica films into like the snacks that are in the vending machine. So you see like a uh, Coraline uh, like uh, onion ring type chips in there. And then there's like Kubo and the two strings like candy in there, um, like box troll, like gummies in there and like missing link, uh, like licorice. So I thought that was kind of funny or like a, a cool, clever thing to like work in the other Leica films too. Sure. And they, they did a good job with this. That like they definitely already have experience doing stuff like this. And you can also find the like the other ones that the other groups of people have done uh, on the Leica uh, animation uh, YouTube channel where we could find all of these. And it's it's called the the Leica by the creators. Uh segments and i think so far they've got about five or six or so on there uh i still really wish that like the re-release of paranormal had come to like somewhere near where any of us live yeah <laughs> so yeah. that uh could have seen that again in theaters because that's that's still definitely my my favorite like a film and I, I would have definitely really enjoyed getting to see uh Paramount back on the big screen especially like with that 4k remaster that they did of it but definitely check that out especially if you uh, enjoyed our live action toy story episode way back probably like eight or nine years ago now <laughs> uh, remember that then, yeah well what did you want to recommend stanford so uh, I just got back from the uh, Animation is Film Festival uh, that was going on in L.A. last weekend. And uh, the film that ended up taking the grand jury prize. So they've got a, you know, like a 10 person jury that that that, that, that uh, awards, you know, or that chooses which film gets the gets the prizes. And there's also an audience award, too. But I can talk about that another time. But. The film that won the grand jury prize, and it's the one that I, I that I absolutely love too. It, it's called Little Nicholas, uh, 
or if you're French, Le Petit Nicolas. Uh, and I'm, you know, and, I, and I'm not French. So sorry, I probably totally butchered, butchered that. Uh, this this film was just, I just, I just, I mean, it was it was so charming. Uh, little Nicholas, and this was all new to me. I didn't, you know, I didn't know any of this stuff. But Little Nicholas is an animated character that was developed in the 1950s by um, the artist Jean Jacques Sempe and the writer Rene Goscinny. And again, I'm sure I'm butchering those names, so please forgive me. Uh, the writer Rene Goscinny was involved with the Asterisk comics. Am I, am I saying that right? Do you know, have you ever feeling with that? Like those uh, Vikings? Does that ring a bell? Have you ever have you ever seen those those, those uh those characters? I had at some point in my life, but anyway, uh, I digress. But Little Nicholas reminds me a lot of of um, kind of what the Peanuts comics are in the U.S. Uh, in that it's just you know focused on a group of kids that are, uh, you know, they're clever. They're maybe a little out of control, <laughs> but they're not like hoodlums or anything. You know, they're just they're just they're just kids growing up, and 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 they're going for humor, uh, really kind of you know kind of relationships and, and humor. This film is more of a tribute to those creators of them, uh, of the little Nicholas character in its world. But uh, this animation, two D animation, and it was as if. Um, these these uh painting these you know the animation was getting drawn right before your eyes i'm not doing a very good job describing it uh i put a link to the trailer uh which mark will kindly include in the notes but i'm not sure when i i would assume that this is going to get picked up by a streaming service at some point i the, the 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 print that they showed at the film festival was in french with english subtitles uh maybe there's going to be a dub version i don't know but uh this thing was this thing was super charming, and I think it really did deserve the grand jury prize from the Animation Film Festival. Nice. Little Nicholas, it was, it was great. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, I think you'd like it. It's 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 just you know breezy, but just just the animation really really knocked me out. Loved it. My high school and college French classes will finally finally come in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> maybe. I know. We oui, we. Oui. I took, yeah, exactly. I took French in high school. Just sweet on I am a pineapple. Uh, and it's set in Paris too, so I, you know, I like that. The animated Paris was was, was great. Nice. Uh, and then how about you, Mike? What I got is um, if you haven't seen Futurama, watch it now because they're doing a one last season finally yes. next year. Um, One last season again for the last time. Yeah, it's a show <laughs> that right. won't die. That keeps keeps getting brought back and here. Thank there, goodness, there. right? It's uh, an amazing show. Way better than it gets credit for. Um, hilarious. Uh, it's had more funny seasons than The Simpsons, in my opinion. Um, made by Matt Groening. Uh, Comedy Central kind of ruined the show a little bit because they. The whole a real concept of it was Fry and Leela supposed to be like not together, and they put them together. But no, yeah. it's a great show. Watch that coming on either Hulu or Disney Plus. I think it's Disney Plus next year for a final okay. run. It's supposed to be only one season. We'll see how that goes. It's on either Hulu or Disney Plus now. <laughs> so if you haven't watched it, check it out. 
Um, it's the little show that won't die <laughs> for good reason. Futurama is a great, like... great show. I love Futurama. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that will do it for the majority part of this episode. Uh, as we we hit about a little over an hour into the episode, now we're going to get into our main topic. So <laughs> uh, here in the episode, uh, you will hear about. Uh, you'll hear the the trailer for Tales of the Jedi. And then when we come back, uh, we will be speaking on that. So we will be back here in a moment to speak on Tales of the Jedi. Everywhere there is life, but you must face death. Honor it. Do not fear it. Jedi. Ahsoka is Jedi. The best way I can protect you is to teach you how to protect yourself. Master Dooku. I want to bring peace and order to the galaxy. All right, everyone, and we are here today to talk about Lucasfilm Animation's Tales of the Jedi. This just got released on Disney Plus on October 26th of 2022. Uh, today, uh, joining me are Mike Soren and Sanford Clark to discuss it. Uh, now, Sanford has always been on this podcast with me for a very long time. Um, you may be watching or hearing this part separately don't think about it too much uh around video for youtube for the first time and then mike does a star wars podcast with me called the hold maneuver where we talk about star wars all the time so figured what better way this week to talk about something that's animated and star wars than talking with these two to talk about it so this uh this is this was kind of like a dave floney passion project kind of thing where he had started writing this, I think, like in the first season of working on the, the Mandalorian, I believe. Uh, but what what is kind of like both of your background with like, I know, Mike, with you, you haven't seen too much of like the Clone Wars or uh, Rebels or, or or anything like that. So with you watching this was were you able to enjoy it from just like a standalone kind yes. of aspect? All right, cool. yes. that's, that's good to hear. Because it plays into the prequels and I've seen those. Okay. So I understood the storylines. There's some stuff like that I maybe not understood, like the planets and stuff they were on, but I don't know if that was tied into anything else. All right. But I was able to follow it just fine and I enjoyed every minute of it. So. And then Stanford, uh, how did you enjoy it? Cause I, I don't know how much of those, either any of those series like bad batch, uh, rebels, Clone Wars that you've seen, but were you also to, able to enjoy it as well? Oh, I loved it. You know? Yeah. Mark, I don't think we've talked much about animated star Wars, have we? You and I, at least, but, uh, I've I think through the majority lot. of it, came that? after Sorry. well i was gonna say i think a majority of it came like after we went to hiatus for a yeah 
I've watched a lot of Clone Wars, not everything, but plenty of it. And then uh, I've watched Rebels, uh, The Bad Batch. I think I've seen every episode so far of The Bad Batch. Uh, and most episodes of Rebels, I think, too. Anyway, I digress. And then, as Mike was saying, and you know, very well, familiar, very familiar with the prequels, uh, the films. So, uh, this was just terrific. I, I thought I, 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 I loved every, I loved every episode. Nice. Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. I thought it was a a good choice for the characters that they, um, that Filoni did choose to center on with this too, because it kind of, uh, it's like split into two kind of like paths, like one light and one dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that way where like the first episode we get is the with the one with uh Soka as as a baby um with her like her her whole family well not her whole family but like her mother and like her whole village that we haven't like seen like the planet that she came from before and here too mm. and see her kind of deal with uh essentially um using the force more or less for the first time and one of the things on here too is that uh, Janina Gavankar plays Pavti Ahsoka's mom uh, she was also I don't I can't remember the name of the character off the top of my head but she was the like the main uh, protagonist of the Star Wars Battlefront 2 uh, like storyline that they did for that video game most recently mm-hmm. um, so, so she got to play like a new like a new character in this which was nice. And then Ashley Eckstein returns as Ahsoka in this too. Um, so I, I thought what we could do for this is since since the show is broken on this way is that we can kind of cover in like the two different ways is that uh, we talk about Ahsoka stuff and then talk about Dooku stuff. So with the whole Ahsoka storyline, I really enjoyed uh, like the three different like parts of her life that we saw in here. Mm-hmm. So like the like the storyline with her as a baby, um, and basically putting the saber tooth tiger, um, at kind of ease, and and then um, riding it back into the village. I thought that was kind of mm-hmm. cool. Um, they used the same sound effect for uh, like the baby cooing of a Soka baby, as uh, it was like the same Grogu, like like that no. Star Wars baby, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, I, like, I don't know if you can hear, but my my own little Grogu, uh, Sylvia, over here is uh, deep asleep and is, like, starting to, like... Dream? Yeah, dream and bark a little bit in her sleep. So if you hear that or see her do that, that's what, that's what you hear. Uh, but I liked that. And then the second story that they showed with Ahsoka, this one, I think, um, specifically for, for you, Mike... It'll lend more context to it, uh, like once Maybe you do eventually get, get to watch, yeah, get to watch like the Clone Wars, um, because when they started showing this training and like how Anakin was like, uh, the droids are too predictable. You need to do something that's not predictable, uh, and then he has uh, basically a firing and, squad. Yeah, and the clones like do do the stun <laughs> training with her. I liked, and then you how you, it's very subtle, but then now you see like that passage of time, mm-hmm. uh, even just with like Rex and having like the tally marks on his his helmet tally there. marks, her head stuff, her yeah, like how that gets a little bit longer. Her costume is a little bit different, mm-hmm. uh, 
and even like with the, the beginning of that, like Anakin, his hair is shorter, but mm-hmm. grown out a little bit. And then Obi-Wan still has kind of his episode two mullet going on there too. <laughs> uh, and also there, if, this is a very subtle in there too, but you see a young um, Kanan from Rebels in there with his ma- with his master watching Ahsoka train in that scene too. So that was cool to see a little bit. It's like very, I mean, it, it's not, it doesn't really add too much to that scene other other than like if you know who that is right if it right. was in there You're it's like, cool oh my it gosh <laughs> yeah so so that, that was kind of cool to see that and like especially um because within rebels later on ahsoka and kanan will interact with one another so that was cool to see there uh but i like that, that that what's kind of funny about this whole thing is like anakin is essentially training her to survive a firing squad right by by troopers and he'll technically be the reason why she has to yep. uh survive a troop uh, like a bunch of troopers shooting at her later on mm-hmm. um and that like that last scene they show of this part of the story with uh, rex and her wife walking in mm-hmm. to all of the clone troopers there uh you see more of this in like that last season of the clone wars and you can kind of see it in that scene too where like all the troopers yeah. are actually even like their helmets are like painted up so that's right uh, to be an honor for her because before order 66 happens they're all good right. friends and, and whatnot and <laughs> like they're like those are her that's her crew that she's with um and i want to like give too much away of like what she's going through in there too but like at this point she's not she wasn't really with <laughs> She wasn't like really with the Jedi anymore yeah. at that point. So she'd yeah. kind of come back for the this whole kind of it's it's part of season seven of the Clone Wars, but like that's part <laughs> of like where this is going on right here, too. So no, you're, you're thought, good. You know spoil you haven't spoiled anything. But I I liked how like how that whole story played out there too. And uh and then just Rex being like, hopefully all that training pays a huff. Uh, So I thought that was very interesting. And then this last storyline where she's um, in this village post order 66, where she's kind of trying to lay low. Right. Um, And I can't remember. I think it, yeah, it was at the beginning of this story where like it shows her at Padme's funeral. So that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Interesting little thing. To see 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 Padme's funeral. Yeah. To see that in animation itself too, I thought was cool. Yeah, uh, and then, and then like you see that Bell is there. Mm. Although we, are, um, and then we saw somebody else. Oh, uh, Mon Mothma is there at oh. that at the funeral as well too. She, um, Mike, we're, Mike and I were just talking about her earlier tonight when we were doing the whole thing over. Um, but yeah, which is it's cool to see like this setting and know now like if say you watch Revenge of the Sith. Like oh, that's where that's where uh, Soka was just standing a second ago. Um, mm-hmm. We see this whole kind of conversation her and uh, Bell Organa have, uh, and like later on with like when the troopers come there, and he's having a conversation with the trooper. But I like that he's actually Relaying having a conversation, yeah. yeah, yeah, with Ahsoka. Um, so that like lends later on when she's on this planet by herself, which. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe is in the the Ahsoka novel 
uh, that they put out uh, that Ashley Eckstein actually even did like the like the book and tape version of it. So it's actually kind of like Ahsoka is reading the the story to you. Uh, I've heard that like some people got got upset with this because some the character that's in this in the book um, is is not Caucasian, but they're actually uh, like a black character, and they're also a queer character as well too. Mm-hmm. Um, so some people are upset that there's some like erasure kind of going yeah. on there of how the character is portrayed in the book as how the character is portrayed right. with this in this portion of the story, which I can. I can see how people would, would get upset about that as well. Um, but I, I liked how they showed this, this story in here too and how she was trying to lay low. Um, and then, but then the Inquisitor comes to that town and lays waste because of that freaking kid. <laughs> I mean, I mean he's, a, he's a kid, so like he's, you know, he's just trying to, like, I guess, do what he thought was best. But like, mm. still, come on, man. Um, uh, that Inquisitor was interesting too. Was like, and that the fact that the Inquisitor knew who Ahsoka was, but mm-hmm. I'm assuming just because you know Vader's kind of in charge of the Inquisitors, he's gonna right. Tell well, people. And Ahsoka was his Padawan, so yeah. Uh, and there's there's uh, there's some great stuff with that in that last season of Clone Wars too, because they do a there's a flash forward. Too. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just I didn't understand how he could be a master when he was never given the rank. So I think that was just like a formality where like any Padawan just calls. um, I didn't think he'd be allowed to have a Padawan without having that rank. That's like all this whole thing in the Clone Wars too, is like Yoda, Yoda basically assigns uh, Ahsoka to Anakin as his padawan as like another way of training him even while he's still kind of gotcha. sort of the, the padawan still, of yeah, the... it's kind of in two roles isn't he yeah because yeah. it's supposed to teach him like patience and whatnot but it ends up basically um, making and making ahsoka more like him in mm-hmm. a way um and then it just gives a, anakin another thing to a form of form of attachment to um outside of obi-wan and his mom Right. and pat and padme and ahsoka so um yeah their that their whole relationship is great and it is cool to it's something that's been very cool to see interweaved throughout mm. uh Re- well not rebels but um clone wars and um and just stuff like this in general i've really enjoyed seeing that uh and now, was there like anything within that Ahsoka storyline that really stood out to either of you two that that you really loved and replied that you have to see that part of her story in this? Mike or Samper? The firing squad thing was just interesting because like it's a lot of trust put in them. I guess they they are clone troopers, so they're gonna listen. Yeah. That they aren't gonna like not put their phasers on stun, if you will. Right. Um, no, it was... It adds to the lore of Ahsoka. I don't know much about her at this point in time, but it makes me want to know more about her. And the fact that she's still going because she's in Mando. Yeah. Um, And she becomes a like a 
kind of a help in Rebels too. Like at the end of her storyline, and this is basically her joining uh, to basically help the Rebel Alliance at that point. So when does she get her yellow lightsaber? Didn't she have one in Mando? Wasn't it yellow? Yes, I think, think that's at some point that that we don't see between Rebels and oh, when she shows yeah, up. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. In, yeah, have we seen that, Mark? When she uh, yeah. gets that might her be yellow. more. That might be more stuff that maybe like they do in like flashbacks or some stuff mm-hmm. within her her own yeah. series too. Yeah. Uh, what What did you think of like her whole storyline on this? So you know, number one, I guess just a shout out to Dave Filoni for creating such an interesting type of show you know that you were just getting these little snippets but seeing how they mold these characters uh or i guess it just informed the characters that we know more you know from from either from the film or from the tv series but uh i i like them all i guess the one that i i probably had the more emotional reaction to was that first one that life and death where uh because you just felt the danger both you know both for ahsoka little little baby helpless quote-unquote helpless ahsoka and her mother i was thinking that it, you know we were going to have a bambi moment and mom was going down you know, with oh, the yeah. saber tiger what or whatever too. you know whatever the name of that creature is but uh and then i was just so stoked when because i mean i was hoping that it's i mean it was probably just an easy i mean i was just falling for it uh falling for it but I was hoping that Ahsoka, little baby Ahsoka, was going to use the Force somehow to, you know, just instinctively change that situation, and she did, and and it was even better than I had hoped. Yeah. I mean, when when the when the thing dragged her off, I mean, because we know that she's not gonna she's not gonna die. Oh yeah. But still, I you know that I just there was so much peril, uh, in in that. Uh, but I thought I thought I thought they were all really well crafted and. Uh, interesting. Yeah. This, anyway, I was, I was quite taken with all three of the Ahsoka episodes. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed them quite a lot, and I I'm glad that all of the the voice actors uh, that they brought back. Yes. For this same, as well too. I've seen the same thing too, Mark. I'm so happy about the <laughs> voice if, actors. Yeah, like even if some of them only had like one or two lines in here too. So right, I'm almost wondering, like. With how long this has maybe been in development, like if they just like a bunch of them just did these uh, lines, like when they were doing uh, season seven of the Clone Wars, because it seems like it's probably in development, like around that same time, and then just got released later on. And then because it seems like that would have been the best time to just do it. But uh, now the the other thing that I liked in here too was this this um dooku path that we saw which i thought was was very interesting Mm -hmm. so like like the first episode we see with him and a a young qui-gon uh which my my wife commented on look she's like that's like the first time i've seen an animated character that looked the most like the like real life version of the person yeah it was liam eason (laughs) yeah and I, I liked in this scene that uh, his his son is doing the voice of Qui Gon mm-hmm. in here too because I saw I thought that was pretty cool. Um, granted, in one of the later episodes with Dooku, Liam Neeson does come back as Qui Gon right. in that scene as well too. So that was also nice to see. Uh, but 
Yeah, I, I really like, so I liked how we saw like this kind of slow disillusionment of mm -hmm. like the, the Republic and like the, it was all, it was almost very like, like, a, like if Anakin and Dooku could have like talked to one another and like <laughs> maybe like put up like this mirror uh, right. to each other, like it, it, they're kind of coming at it from different ends where like Anakin was becoming more and more like trusting kind of of like mm -hmm. like the republic uh and less trusting of the jedi um and then like dooku he's becoming like less trusting of the jedi but he's also less trusting of overall the the republic and like all of that being like tainted and, mm -hmm. and whatnot as well with what he sees going on 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 this planet that he and qui-gon are visiting at the beginning of this right and you kind of like see like this like these little slow descents into like darkness with like he almost like takes all those people out with his lightsaber and like is, mm. is choking the the senator in that first episode and Qui-Gon has to basically release his son out there to get his dad Stop to him. like calm the the heck down mm. uh, i was kind of hoping maybe like in one of those other episodes maybe we would have seen that the like the son at like an older age maybe having like taken over as like senator because was somehow that seems like that's how that works like in the star wars universe is yeah it's almost like a because you Not go really from a becoming, voting thing yeah you go from becoming a queen to a senator somehow i don't know like how the i think that the, happened because they joined the, the hierarchy of power oh yeah wasn't it maybe. because like naboo wasn't part of the republic and then after they're rescued, they become part of it. I don't know. Or that Padme sure. was just like in the Young Republicans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But uh yeah. Uh I did so like in that whole I liked that whole story there too. And I thought in both of these uh sets of like three segment stories, I thought the animation was really well done and really beautiful too especially like the landscape shots that we get yeah and both the animation these yeah sets, it was not like, the same thing so like on another level especially like when you go back and you watch like <laughs> even like the the first clone like the clone wars movie that's kind of like essentially like a 90 minute 80 minute mm -hmm. episode uh, episode like series premiere pilot type thing yeah. more than it is like a movie mm -hmm. uh and then you get to the very last episode of like the seventh season of Clone Wars. It's it's interesting just to see how much the technology and animation um, quality changes oh, yeah. over that time. It's amazing. It's, like, and there's this like gap in time. I don't know the exact years where like computers took over animation, yeah. and you just like the way it shifts and everything. You can just see it. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I thought the same. I I totally agree with you, Mark. I I thought to the character designs, particularly their facial expressions, they just yeah. they looked so much better. I think than mm -hmm. you than some of those early episodes. They still had that same aesthetic. You know, you tell very much. This is you know, this is Lucasfilm animation. This is Star mm -hmm. Wars. You know, animated. You know, uh, but. They just I don't know I just thought they they were able to they just had a lot more uh, definition I think they were able to pull a lot more emotion out of the models right and whatnot I, I, I looked I thought yeah. they looked great 
the other and then like in the second episode that they go to where it's uh Dooku now is a beard mm-hmm. uh, the first one it's a pre, pre-beard Dooku because that feels like uh all the when you're when you're a Jedi you have you kind of have this like this evolution of like your hair and uh it goes from hair here to here <laughs> and Anakin just never got to the 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 part of where he had to grow a beard um but what's Yoda's the, excuse I don't know. He's just he's he's he's, <laughs> just he's, he's 900. He's 800 years old, so he's bald. Yeah, no more hair. I I know that that feel Yoda, uh, but <laughs> yeah, like in this second story with uh, with Dooku and and Mace Windu visiting this other planet, and like uh, a Jedi has been uh, like assassinated there, so they're trying mm. to figure out who done it, what all went went on there, and then we see like this other kind of descent, like into darkness with uh dooku here again mm-hmm. and like qui-gon had to kind of pull him back in that first episode mace kind of has to do the same thing here although there's a lot of stuff that mace does in this episode that kind of like <laughs> it makes me mad too like yeah like, mace you're just like a you you're just like a, like a, a douche yeah like, he's like he was always kind of like that though yeah like he's such he's like a heart so, like pardon pardon my french but like he's such like a hard ass to anakin but he's you could see that he was also that the dooku in here too and then yeah. like later on when he becomes a like seemingly looks like dooku has never be made a master on the council either um mm-hmm. so again like if anakin and freaking dooku would just like talk to each other a little bit and like <laughs> be like look how similar our stories are right um, but um Anakin did the lightsaber scissors to Dooku's head. Uh, that, like, so, like, Mace gets that promotion basically to the council because mm. that other Jedi had been assassinated. Um, what, what if Mace had uh, that that Jedi assassinated? Huh? He says he didn't know about the, anything until right. He was playing. Yeah, exactly. He Maybe didn't know about it. The, just playing that long game. Very um, interesting. Uh, I'm curious yeah, about that, the like the senators, like the arm, the armor, because we're so oh, used yeah, to like seeing like stormtroopers. Yeah, wasn't that interesting design? Yeah, like yeah. curious. <laughs> but, but, yeah, that that was a very weird or interesting design with like like that, and I didn't know if because they didn't take like the gloves off. So I didn't know if they like maybe that's just like other hands are maybe their hands are just like really long fingers i don't know <laughs> but yeah so like how that like uh um he ends up on the council because of that mm-hmm. because like oh, oh okay all right i see how it is it's like well i put in a good word for you it's just because you didn't listen <laughs> yeah, to the exactly. rules <laughs> yeah so for you. and then from there after the story uh we get the third story which i thought was really cool they did it where it it's concurrently with the events of the Phantom Menace, um, and it yeah. kind of jumps jumps around a little bit. But I thought that was cool to to like see, like what Dooku's during doing during Dooku doing during yeah yes <laughs> what Dooku is doing during Episode One. Um, you can see like his beard's got a little bit of white in it, kind of like yeah. this. Say the um, beard's coming in, and yeah. So I liked that slow kind of like evolution of showing that. Um, mm-hmm. But so, and then you see this uh, 
story point angle from his point of view that we learned about in Attack of the Clones with Master Sifo-Dyas, um, right? And yeah, the deleting, and the deleting of the deleting um, of Camino, Camino yeah. from the the library, and then him talking to Jacosta there, um, and that whole that was so cool. I just loved that yeah. too. Uh, so I almost like that you could like play this and kind of like edit it into that kind mm-hmm. of yeah. stuff and watch That's it. That's how I felt. And then, and then I don't know if we knew this before, but it was probably like an expanded universe, like books or stuff, but like with the story he tells uh Yaddle. Um and about the tree. The, well, uh, before we get to that, I guess after we talk to Jacosta, um, like he talks to Qui-Gon there um and talks about like a few things there. And he's like, I should very much like to meet Obi-Wan. Um mm. we're like, oh, don't worry, you will. <laughs> um but uh, I liked that and like that whole like kind of back and forth there with him and Qui-Gon again and how uh, I don't remember if it was here or before like that flash forward a tiny bit but where he like says something to Jacosta about like our our Padawans they grow up so fast mm-hmm. um, so like this this Dooku storyline does a very good job of like very like very much making you empathize and like almost you know like seeing all this from the point of view of dooku to like, mm-hmm. up to up to like a certain point like <laughs> up, up until, until the evil like, point yeah up until like what we see near i guess like almost the very end of the storyline where the um, slamming he, of the literal door yeah yeah where, where he kills grogu's mom um, <laughs> um, but yeah no one's no one's gonna tell me otherwise Yoda and Yaddle are Grogu's mom and dad. Or Grogu's mom and dad, and 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 Grogu's just been—he's just like in daycare, you know. Well, of that, course I mean, not. The, the timeline lines up too because he—he's <laughs> fifty years old at the point he is in the Mandalorian. I thought he so was that means he would... No, he's fifty. No, oh, I thought um, I heard seventy. But so that means he would have Either been way. born around the same time as Anakin. So, by yeah, so like by the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, um, but yeah. So like with this, I like that um, he has this conversation with Yaddle at the tree, which I think is supposed to be at the Jedi Council. Because I think, or like at the Jedi Temple, it's the only yeah, tree in it, Coruscant. Yeah, yeah. it's it's and, somewhere is it on the grounds of the Jedi Temple or in the courtyard or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is this was um, what I started to say, but then I went off on tangent. Was that <laughs> I don't think that we had known that that Qui-Gon was born on Coruscant. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe didn't we feel that way. But like in that, like the tree had fascinated him so much since he was born in a place that like was essentially no just all made <laughs> objects. Right. None, none of it was like nature. Yeah. Um, so he was able to feel the force specifically just kind of through that tree, mm. which I think that's even more interesting about like how Qui-Gon ended up becoming essentially one of the first Jedi to become one with the force like that mm-hmm. and be able to do the whole force ghost thing when he lived so much of his life within like all of the like the like the man-made structures mm-hmm. and was outside of being through like the natural nature or, or like like something that the force would be like flowing through and whatnot so I thought that was kind of interesting um, but you can kind of see, like, here, too, with, uh, because Qui-Gon has been killed, um, that Dooku descends even more. And then, like, when he mm. goes and meets with uh, Sidious 
um, in the same spot that we see them meet near the end of Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's like, like it almost seems like he was ready to take out Sidious right there too. He's like, you went too far with with killing Qui Gon. He's and then Sidious is like, we we both lost apprentices. Um, with like Maul dying as well mm-hmm. too. Um, so I thought that whole back and forth is kind of interesting there. But Maul comes back. Yeah. 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 And Qui Gon is still the only person to die from getting stabbed in the gut. That he is. All their Jedi are just like, okay, good to go. It's because they it's because they lit him on fire instead of trying to fix his belly. <laughs> right. I'm not dead yet. Not I'm just dead. very badly burned. I'll take a walk. I'll walk it off. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, and then they're like Yoda Yoda. Yaddle shows up here and then and then we also know why Yaddle isn't isn't in episode she, two or episode three at the council because yep. uh, she's Yaddle, squished. Yaddle, Yaddle got got. <laughs> Yaddle got killed off. Oh yeah, wow. yeah. Well, yeah, because at first we think she gets squashed by the door, and then she's like, <laughs> she's like, nah, and then pushes dead. it off, <laughs> and then she's and then dead. She's able to get like one last like earworm like, into to Dooku's yeah. head, and then and, and then he's like, like, all right, yep, <laughs> one more force. Yeah. And 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 that's where you stop empathizing with Dooku, <laughs> right? Exactly. But, where Dooku finally, uh, like, just like when Anakin kills the younglings, you know, you're just mm-hmm. like, okay, all right, you're like, yeah, this, this uh, person has crossed, definitely crossed the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went too far. So you you guys probably saw this, but you know, Bryce Dallas Howard is the voice of Yaddle, yes. yep. and which I thought was what was. Cool, and I had always wondered how Yaddle was going to talk. I think you mentioned <laughs> oh, yeah. Mike in the, in the notes that uh, that she doesn't talk like Yoda. So, so, so did, uh, Yoda just had like a stroke or something, or he's just like, <laughs> I'm going to do this because I'm weird. Like he's that weird kid. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we see how Yoda acts in Empire when uh, Luke comes and sees him for the first time. Part of that is probably you know just him being secluded on a planet all by himself for like i don't know how many years would it be that i don't know like 10 15 anyways he's been there for by himself for a very long time so he probably went like a little (laughs) stir crazy but he probably also had a little bit of that in him already because he was already talking in riddles well yeah well and in the Um, prequels yoda still talks (laughs) yeah yeah but uh but Grogu's gonna I, talk like Kevin from the office when he drops every other word. Yes. Why say why say many word when few word do trick? <laughs> it's gonna be Grogu right there. Yeah. But was it I that was really cool to have Yaddle, you know, have a Yaddle part of that storyline. It I think yeah. it's a character that we've all known about, but really really don't know much. Much, she's got a full it. head of hair. Yeah, like yeah. How come she's got hair? Where, what? What did Yoda do wrong? What did he do? Yeah, I mean, I didn't do anything wrong, but you know, no, just, he does. <laughs> he, he talks he, funny. Like he force lightened, force lightening <laughs> his, his hair, and then it it burned all the follicles, so they never <laughs> grew back. It's kind of uh, like that laser uh, that laser hair treatment you get, but he did. Oh uh, yeah, so that it just became thinned out, and because he still has that like white comb over going on so it wasn't all the way but he's got the fuzzy comb over going on <laughs> hanging but out was there was there anything else about tales of the jedi 
uh, that you guys wanted to bring up before we close out? Yeah, what were those droids that were like carrying the hay and stuff? Just cool droids know. with just like yeah. I just thought they were like legs. just farm farm droids or just something. Farm droids know, but, that get uh, no respect to die in this series. Yeah. Mm. Pretty, pretty much. How it goes. One. <laughs> uh now if this anthology series goes on like more too like uh, like what other characters do you th- think you'd want to see like because here uh, we got kind of like we got characters that were kind of main characters but not i mean it's not like oh we don't know a lot Anakin. about them they just kind of are just yeah. there yeah so i want to make windu one i was just gonna yeah. say windu yeah yeah windu would be interesting i think a qui-gon one would even be interesting too. just see more too. Of like young qui-gon learning about young more... qui-gon and yeah yeah that and dude you... with the giant head Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh Kiati Mundi. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I liked his robe, how it specifically. <laughs> it went I love that robe. To made it. Okay. Um, yeah, Kiati Mundi's cool. Uh, I think it would be cool to see. I uh, like Dave Filoni likes Plukun a lot, so it'd be cool to see uh, like a Plukun. I one. Yes, agree. I'm all for more more Kit Fisto. Oh, Kit uh, Fisto, all day. <laughs> there, there, there's so many of these that they could do like little three kind of vignette stories and mm-hmm. like we don't, we don't really need to see any more like i i love anakin and obi-wan but we don't really need to see any more of their stuff because we've seen like a ton of their story already yeah. obi-wan had his own show um the skywalker saga is essentially anakin's mm-hmm. story up to a certain point um but yeah i, I think all the people that we've said would be cool and it, and it has to be Jedi because it's Tales of the Jedi. Tales of the Jedi. Um, it might be cool to see, like, a, since they've done a lot of this High Republic stuff that they've gone into now, it might be cool to see. Uh, they kind of did this with that season six of Clone Wars where they did, like, these side Yoda stories. But it could be cool to do, like, a, like a very young Yoda story and kind of do, like, a segue of that where you, like, see super young yoda during like the high republic um maybe yoda sometime during just before the prequels and then like yoda sometime during all those years where he's secluded on dagobah stories yeah by himself oh so i love that. i think that could be yeah. cool to see so maybe we find out in one of the stories why yoda talks why he talks <laughs> there you go i wouldn't although, mind seeing although, that although we don't need an answer for everything no. so right right but Emperor Palpatine. But yeah, yeah, Palpatine. But I guess again, that has to be like the story of the show. Unless Palpatine ever was a Jedi at one point, and then that's, that's true. Only, yeah, yeah, that's true because he's that, that's how yeah. they got around it with Dooku because Dooku. Fell. Dooku I'm thinking was Dooku was a Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. good point. I'm thinking Palpatine wanted to be a Jedi and was told no by like Yoda or something. Oh, Darth, Darth, and that's Darth why it's hatred. Yeah, yeah. hatred. I think there's plenty of stuff that they could do in there, so it should be be interesting to see. But I think that's good Star Wars. You know, if I just I I just binge watched all. I mean, not that it takes that long, but uh, yeah, yeah. I liked how they were like twelve to nineteen minutes at the most. Yes, and and I I liked how I, I I and I watched them in sequential order too. You know, and. I like it how you could consume it any way you wanted, but I I, I thought mm-hmm. it was a good way to do it to have, kind of have both yeah. stories in a way intertwined. 
uh, yeah, yeah, because I think it went time, timeline order that way. Yeah, like as far as like, because because you, you start with Ahsoka and then you go through all Dooku's story and then you come back to Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. Yep, which is which is kind of interesting. So another uh, thing I think they could do, and it's a theory I've been pondering. Um, we know all Jedi are basically kids who basically go away from their parents. You never see them again. And we find out with the last sequel trilogy that the stormtroopers are kind of similar, except they're all taken from their families. What if all the stormtroopers are just Jedis who are going to become younglings, and that's why they're taken? I think there's a story there. I think that's what I'd go with. Yeah, I think that, that was idea. one thing yeah. that that would have been interesting to see that we didn't see with after they discovered that Ahsoka was a a Jedi in that first episode that like what happened next after that because mm. like we know when she shows up with uh like two Anakin and whatnot in that and but we don't like know what happens in that like kind of little intervening yeah. period of time you'll probably get that in the Ahsoka series that's coming out yeah maybe yeah uh maybe but yeah, I think that that'll wrap us up for episode or this episode of Animation Fascination. Uh, don't forget, uh, you can follow us uh, all individually on Twitter. Um, I'm at my first and last name, which is just M-A-R-C-B-I-B-B-E-R-T. Stanford is at his first and last name, which is <laughs> way easier to spell than my name for, um, I guess. <laughs> but uh, then you can also find uh, Mike on Twitter as well, right, Mike? I'm everywhere, but I don't don't expect much out of my accounts. I'm very yeah. lazy at posting on those. I'll, I'll post links to all these in the show notes, whether <laughs> you're watching this uh, video on YouTube or you're listening to this part on our on the podcast. Uh, you can you find the links in every appropriate spots in the show notes on there. Uh, we can I post when I show. make videos like this. So if you want to follow me for those, yeah. definitely do that. Uh, and then you can find this show on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter uh, just by looking for Animation Fascination or Animated Podcast. Uh, and you can email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. Visit animationfascination.net. And then there's also links there for merch for Animation Fascination, like t-shirts and stuff. Uh, and then all our episodes for audio and video are edited by Trent Bactor. So I'm Mark Vibbert. For myself, Cynthia Clark, and our guest, Michael Soren. Uh, thank you for listening, and make sure to tune in again next time. And may the Force be with you. And also with you.